Welcome to Fear Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 162. Yeah, 162. And it's a Wednesday episode. And Wednesday episodes are awesome. But it's weird because we just had our update episode on Sunday. And, and we it had was another, a live. Yeah, it was a live. And we had an update episode before that. Yeah. So, so it's time for a theme. We're, we're updating away. We're up there. There's so much going on. There is. It really is. And uh, I'm really excited about the theme episode we're talking about today uh, because we are, we've, we've been through it, right? Like 2020 has been a year and we've kind of, we've seen the ups and the downs of it all and we're not done yet. But I think, <laughs> I think what we can do is we can say, okay, we've gone through, you know, a crazy six months of a year and we've learned a ton of lessons and what can we do with those lessons we learned? How how can we take some some pieces of advice and mistakes we made or or things we did well and start to apply them uh, in case we end up with more issues this year or ten years from now or whenever it comes? Well, and the crazy thing it wasn't even the crazy first six months. It's just been a crazy last three months. Yeah, I mean the it, the last three months have been the the worst for sure. I mean January, like what were we talking about? Like oh, it's returnary. We're gonna have yeah. returns. Or, and February was. February and March. So March, I mean, I remember we had- It all we, hit in March. We, we had some craziness, like, you know, Kobe Bryant died, and, and then we were discussing about selling the memorabilia, and then we were discussing selling a mask. Do you remember that conversation? Yep. That seems, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was that long ago. Yeah. And that was before everything hit. So I thought it would be appropriate, being that we've gone through, we're like on day 101 or something of the pandemic. Like if we were like a news station, we'd have like day 100. Mm. Would we? I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't. I, don't know, but yeah. I feel like we would. One hundred day party isn't that like a thing that like elementary kids do? Like oh so. yeah, what is that? I don't know. What is that? Like I did that didn't happen until maybe like five six years ago, and I remember. No, they did it when I was a kid. Did they really? Yeah. Not okay. Well, I'm ten years older than you, so maybe it was after I was done. That's right. But it's like a celebration of a what? Like, and the worst part is parents have to take care of it, not the kids. That's the worst part. Yeah, but it. again, it's one of those things, you know, you're teaching kids that, you know, they can they can get through something. To right? like waste 100... things, to waste a hundred items, to celebrate the hundredth day of school. Oh, I don't know how they celebrate it. That's I how it know. is. Anyways, no, that's how it was. When my kids went, it was like, bring in a hundred items of something to celebrate a hundred days. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to teach counting and for them to like <laughs> conceptualize like days and time. I mean, I want to hear the comments. Idea. Those of you that are parents... Are you all in on a hundred days? Are you like this is a waste? I want to know. Yeah, you know, I just I just remember as a kid like that kind of stuff. It is exciting, you know, the countdown and you get there and a hundred such a big number, you know, especially when you're like third grade. The idea of a hundred days is like you know infinity. Um, but as you get older, a hundred days isn't so much. And uh, unless you're going through a hundred days of you know chaos in a country, and then a hundred days seems like a long time, but it also goes by fast. It was like a weird experience, but uh. Let's get to some of these uh, lessons we learned and, and what to take out of uh, out of this. All right. So if you're wondering what this episode is about, it's basically we I wanted to tie. I, had, I was trying to figure out a title because what we learned during these last hundred days of the pandemic are going to apply after this. And and if you're listening to this and it's the year 2025, like this will still apply. Not not everything specifically, but these are kind of valuable. I think things that I learned that Mike learned through this that completely changed the way we did a lot of things and it reinforced things that we were doing well and it pointed out flaws in what we were doing too so yeah for sure so anyways i kind of thought i broke it down i broke it down is it uh, where broke did, it where down, did that come from da, 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 da. 
Has anybody ever said broken it down? Sure. I've and, never heard of that and, ever. And we, could, we could throw that on a beat and it'd sound cool. I broke it down. <laughs> okay. Broke it it down. All right. So the three things that we're looking for is, hey, you got to be capital ready in a crisis. You got to be inventory ready and you got to be pivot ready. And so I want to go through these and we have hustles of the week in between. So first thing is capital ready. Yeah. Do you feel you were capital ready when things went down? Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, I'm actually been pretty impressed with the way I've been able to manage my eBay store and growing my capital that I have as far as the amount of money I have available to buy new inventory, right? Um, I, I pay myself or I kind of, we can kind of consider it paying my wife uh, each month to kind of make up the difference uh, of the bills that we have to pay, all of those types of things. We did our budget the start of the year before she started staying home. And we kind of figured out what is the bare minimum we need you know, how do we going back to like talking about doing the Dave Ramsey style of, of you know, budgeting. It's like, okay, how much needs to go into each bucket as it were, each category? How much should we be saving each each week or each month for car stuff when that goes wrong? And so we, we have a certain amount that we pull out and then the rest we just keep in the business bank account and use for purchasing new inventory. And month over month, that capital, the amount of money that we have in, in our business account continues to go up even after paying ourselves. Right. So it's a good place to be. I've watched it grow. Now, recently we've had to, we've purchased a lot of things. We purchased, um, the trailer that we're going to (laughs) use for our trip. We were putting a hitch on our, our outback instead of our, our forerunner because our outback gets much better gas mileage. Uh, so we used our business to pay for a hitch and for new tires on the trailer and for, you know, our business, um, like post office box. Like, so we've had a lot of big expenses. And so we've seen our capital kind of shrink knowing that we're going to go on this trip and and I'd be okay with basically spending all of my capital I have, right. To really get a ton of inventory. Um, but I was at a good place. I would say, uh, that I had a lot of, I had a lot of leeway, a lot of, of room to make purchases, um, when this hit and it took a while to get there. It was a slow growing process, but we made sure that we weren't pulling out more each month that was going to make us continually go in the red in in that bank account. That's great. And, you know, the reason we're saying this too is that, you know, there's discussion whether there's going to be a second wave, are there going to be lockdowns? And right now in our country, right, there are some places that are locking down again, right? And we don't know the extent. It's kind of interesting in California that we did and then we did it and now we are again. And I'm not really sure what we're going to be a month from now. But one of the things that you know, we've always pushed from the beginning. I think we've always been big on reinvesting right from yourselves, right? That's why you're able to build your capital. And one of the ways you did that was with a separate account. You guys have a separate account? Yeah, we have a separate business account, which we use. Uh, it's great for tax purposes. Uh, but then it's really easy to differentiate what expenses are coming from, right? Um, obviously, for taxes, we can write off things like miles and there's things like that. Uh, but even even to really conceptualize like, okay, we're outsourcing and we're going to go buy lunch, right? And we can like, really figure, okay, would we be out if we weren't sourcing? Okay, this might not be a tax write-off, but let's use the business card because otherwise we'd be eating at home. And so we've kind of been able to really see how much is this business costing us? Because if you're not doing that, you know, if it's all just in one account and you're spending your personal account for different things, filling up gas, your gas tank, buying meals, purchasing supplies, purchasing inventory, you really aren't 100% sure like what your real cost is. But when we can kind of say, this feels like a business expense, even if it's not a taxable uh, tax deduction. And some of them are, but even if it's like, okay, we're going to fill up gas, let's use the business card because we're going to do a ton of sourcing the next couple of days. Um, and so we could see that hit on our business account and we can tell, have has this week been profitable? 
And if we were just using our personal account for everything, it'd be much more difficult to tell. Um, and so it's really good to have that separate account. You can really see the growth. You can you can see the the times where it's decreasing and you can identify what's causing it. But if you just got it all lumped in together, I mean, you're really just kind of playing, well, I think this is about how much I'm spending or making. And that's not a good place to be. Yeah. And the other thing I always push is make sure you're not combining capital with savings, right? You're thinking like, hey, I have savings to take care of me. I'm talking about something different. So if you're going through a crisis, you want to have cash to have cash to help out your family, right? To last y'all, right? You want to have that emergency fund. But if you're a reseller, and I would say it depends, right? If you're a part-time reseller, your capital may doesn't need to be that big. If you're a full-time reseller, I think it does. Because during a crisis, there's only so many opportunities for inventory. And we'll talk about that a little bit, right? I mean, we we brought on Lindy Glenn and, and we discussed, you know, with Mark Meyer and others where sometimes like the only avenue to source during a crisis is like, let's say a pallet or a huge bulk buy, right? And so we're talking about, you know, thousands of dollars. We're not talking about, you know, several hundred. You may be able to do several hundred, but as you know, during this pandemic, the companies that began to shut down were those companies that were doing the several hundred ones, right? And so a lot of people were hitting us up on the DMs like, Orlando, I don't know where to source anymore. I used to get stuff wholesale from here, but now they want larger orders. And then prices started to go up, right? Because inventory, right, was in low demand and companies knew it. And so they began to raise their prices. Now, the other thing I want to throw in, and, I, and it's a little controversial because we're all about, you know, being a uh, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow is credit lines. Like I, to me, it's super important. Even though I'm a debt free guy, I still use my credit card all the time, right? But I pay it back. Now, sometimes it takes longer than others, right? I do have, you know, I buy a ton in October for Q4, and I really don't see my card balance go down to zero until probably end of January into February. Now, that money's constantly being cycled over. So I'm paying stuff off, buying more, paying, paying stuff off, buying more. And, and you know, there are times where I do carry month to month. I remember when I had that huge Toys R Us haul, like I, I think I carried, I, I want to say like 15K in debt for a few months, right? And so the interest built up and da 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 but it was still worth it to me because I knew that in time I would be able to pay that off once Q4 hit and it was all paid off. Yeah. Right? And I think too is a good, it's, I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of credit and using credit lines, uh, but business and personal are, are two very different things. Agreed, right? agreed. If you've got, if you've got your, your life and your finances separated properly, um, the ideal situation is never to go into debt in either. Don't go into debt in personal, like, like no matter what, like that's the key. And then businesses, most businesses, most even big businesses do run credit and debit like exchanges, right? Like they're sometimes they're using credit lines um, and then they're paying them off and, and they hold that. And then they may have a savings account while they're also using credit lines, right? So it 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 operates differently and for different reasons. Uh, I'll give you a good example because that's, a, I think, a very obvious one. If you know, like, okay, it's Q4, I need, I might have a lot of capital that I'm using for like my garage sale type store, but I want to be able to buy like $8,000 worth of toys, knowing that I'm going to make like $20,000 net, but it might be three months before I make it, mm -hmm. right? That's a big thing to swing. And of course, maybe it's a bit of a gamble and maybe another good reason why you should go to a lawyer and a tax person and maybe incorporate your business and make sure that, you know, worst case scenario, 
it's separate from your personal. So if you did have to go bankrupt or you did get sued, oh, man. and I'm only saying that because yeah, yeah. you know you want you want to have them separate from your personal you know expenses. But an example that's maybe a little different than just buying inventory. So my wife and I are debating um, what it would look like to get a storage unit, right? Storage unit area might be like $230 a month, something like that, you know, maybe less, maybe more, depending on what we get. Um, or we're seeing, okay, there's a, a big trailer, a 20 foot by eight foot trailer that we could get um, that would probably hold just about as much as the storage unit will hold and we can move it and it's got some benefits to it, but it's going to cost us like $5,000, right? So then we do, okay, well, how many months of a storage unit until this trailer is paid off, right? And so it might not be worth it to use all of the capital we have in our bank account that we need for inventory, but say, okay, we're basically taking a loan out on two and a half years of storage unit payment to buy this thing, but knowing that we're also building equity. And of course, it's not an asset. So we've talked about the difference between asset and a liability. Uh, so a trailer like that wouldn't be an asset in that sense because it's not making us money, but it's a cheaper ex uh, a cheaper expense than the storage unit because over time we're building equity and five years from now, we've had it paid off for a couple of years. We could sell it for maybe $4,000, right? So that means for five years, we had storage for $1,000 mm -hmm. and that's much cheaper than $230 a month for the next five years. And so there's a great point. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So there are times when you might say like, it is worthwhile to take out this, this credit line, right? A business credit line and to make that payment each month as if it's my storage unit payment, right? But to know that at the end of it, I've got something paid off, right? So there, there are business items you might need, maybe computer, maybe you know space that you're renting, um, where it's worthwhile to do a credit line. I would just say, never let that be your primary, right? Like never, never. Oh, agreed. Make sure yeah. you really, really know that that you know. Are you gambling or is this a wise business expense? And, and nobody can tell you that except for yourself and maybe some wise counsel that you have around you with some people who can kind of look through your books and, and talk through your big purchases. But, you know, credit line is something to consider. Uh, but if you're first starting out, I would say avoid credit as much as you can. And if you're at a place where you need it, um, you'll know. But then there's probably a lot of people who get way too far in credit. It's, debt. A, dis it's a discipline thing. I, oh, did I say discipline? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So you get I hate that word, you, but it's true. You can get really far in, into debt and think that you're making profit, but you're really not because that becomes an expense with interest. And if you're unable to to recoup those costs based off of the expense that you've incurred, you know, it, it could be detrimental to you. So you really, really need to be wise whether or not you're going to take out but it is a good idea to make sure that you have it. And the nice thing with having a business account, usually as soon as you set up a business account, it's easy to get five, $10,000 credit line. And if you've got a good you know, relationship with your bank to, to move that up or to have like some kind of cash reward, we use cash rewards all the time. And so we pretty much buy everything on credit and pay it off at the end of the month. And we just cash bank all of that until the end of the year. And then that becomes our Christmas money, right? It's like, here's $700 that we've yeah, made. You just gotta be super careful. You've I mean, be it's, this one. it is, you know, Again, it's it's funny because we're gonna do total money makeover for our next level up preview, and it's the antithesis to what we're saying right now, right? Even, I mean, the the argument is very much like the points for flying airline flying doesn't even matter. Like you still shouldn't do it now. If you're able to responsibly handle it, I say go for it. Like for me, you know, I have it where I have several flights throughout the year that are free at Southwest. Like after you hit a certain point, you can have somebody fly for you, with you for free which is a nice perk, but this is what I'll say. So I'll give you an example. So I had an opportunity during this pandemic and I obviously I can't share the, the item. I had two items that 
you know, I could have spent 10K in, in cash capital, right? And yeah, I mean, to me, to me, it was it was a risk. Like I'd rather, I don't know, it's weird, but I'd rather risk credit than risk cash, right? Because the the, the credit, like I'll still get that money back, but if I needed that cash for something else at that moment, I'd be in a bind. And, and like you said, you have savings and, well, I, I'm saying you have savings, you have capital and you have credit. So to me... I use the credit for the riskier buys because there's there's always ways that I can I can you know massage that so I can take a little bit longer to sell um, if it's an item that's retail arbitrage as as much as I hate saying this you can always return it I mean there's there's ways if a deal goes bad right you have a way to protect yourself in a bulk buy right with a credit card if a deal goes bad with cash in a bulk buy you're done. Like there, there's nothing. And even if you Venmo, even if you PayPal, if it's a local book buy, let's say Mike, you know, I don't know Mike, but Mike is selling me, you know, board games, right? Yeah. Right. And he has like a hundred board games and it's going to cost me like 5k and he wants cash only. So I give him the 5k cash. I go home. I send these all, you know, to Amazon. They start selling. And then I get these messages that these were used games that were resealed. Right. I'm done. Like I'm out that 5K in cash. But if I can use my credit card, I have multiple protections on there. I could do chargebacks. I can do fraud. There are ways for me to recoup my money. And that's why I think having lines of credit are super important. And at the same time, you can move things faster with a credit card. Right. If you have a good line of credit, you can have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars that you could spend at one time and it's not a big deal. Right. But you have to be disciplined with it. That so you know that 10k purchase made that all back within three weeks, paid it all off, made the net profit. I was good, and I still had my cash that allowed me to make moves on bulk buys locally that I trusted that were good buys. So yeah, and that a big uh, one another way of thinking about that is just how liquid is the the available capital, right? So if you're talking about credit yeah. line versus savings versus cash, right? Cash is the most liquid. You can have assets, you can have a, a, a vault full of gold bars or, you know, some silver That'd bars, nice. right? And you might need to spend money. Well, it's going to take time to get that gold converted into cash, or you might have a high yield interest savings account, but it might take a week before that clears into your checking account, right? If you make a transfer or you might have stocks and it might take a little while to sell them and get that money transferred. <laughs> so same thing with credit line. Credit is going to only be so liquid. So, you know, when you're dealing with, if you're purchasing a vehicle for your business, if you're purchasing a big bulk buy through like an organization, but yeah, if you're meeting up Joe Schmo on offer up, you know, credit is not going to be liquid enough. And so you want to make sure you have enough liquid assets available that you can capitalize on in any given situation. Agreed. And the other part is also supplies, right? If you wanted to run into a scenario where, you know, it's a, it's during a crisis time and you find an item, like I had people message me actually tell me like, Orlando, it got so crazy that I actually had to buy a truck, mm. right? In order to go sourcing. Now you can cash pay a truck, right? But at the same time to get, you know, if you can cash it, that I think you're in a, it's a whole another conversation. Like, I don't even think we need to talk about this anymore, but most people can't, right? It's, I mean, it's really hard to drop 10K cash on a truck, right? But if you have an excellent credit score, right? And you take, you know, your loan from a bank, never take it from the dealership, never take it, always get, you know, from an outside party, you're able to get a lower interest rate and in which works your advantage. And, and, you know, this is common sense, but I really find that there isn't a lot of discussion in the reselling community of having a solid credit score. 
Like I, I think it opens so much doors you're not even aware of uh, until you start recognizing that when I had a 600 score, man, my payments were way higher than when I had an 800 score. And I had so many more options when my score was over 800. So, so pay attention. And, you know, I, during, during times of crisis, having your financials in, in top notch shape are important. That's why right now, let's say you came out of this, we're not done with the pandemic. I feel like we're talking like we're done, but you came out of the last hundred days, way better off financially, apply those principles pay off your debt, have that capital, have that savings so you're ready in case things hit again. That's good. All right. The next one um, about being capital ready is sell things when they sell. Yeah. That sounds a little redundant, but I think I pick up, but you I'm picking get what up I'm what you're putting down. What do you think I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if you get an offer, even if it's maybe a little lower than you're expecting, um, you know, you want, again, we're talking about l- the, the liquidity. I, I think that's the way to say that the how liquid are your assets? And so if you've got inventory, you've got a VCR that's sitting, that might be technically worth, you know, $20 net profit or $50 net profit for you, but it's not cash. You can't buy any, you can't walk in with that VCR to a trade and say, like, well, you know, you can make 50 bucks on this, right? Mm-hmm. That's not gonna work. And so you might get an offer that's like, oh, I'm only gonna make $40 on this VCR instead of 50. But sometimes just having that cash, being able to exchange it for something that's more liquid and capable of 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 faster trades, it's worth it, right? And so if you get an offer, maybe it's a little lower than you're expecting, but we talked about, you know, in a situation where sales are are high, but sourcing opportunities are low, sell as much as you can. So that way, as sourcing opportunities come available again, you've got as much capital as possible to really build up that inventory reservoir again. Yeah. And some of you are sensing that right now, like things have slowed down on eBay. Not, not that they've slowed down to the place of like summer slowdown, but they slow down to normal, I think normal levels, or maybe it's just the stuff I have. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it is not where it was a month ago. A month ago, I literally could count every day, every day to have tons of sales. No matter what I listed, it would sell. Now it's getting, uh, I feel like people are being a little more selective. Maybe there's a retraction in what they're spending. If we get a second stimulus, you know, which there's talk about it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it is. I don't know. Who knows? We, who knows? Who knows? But, you know, I, and I'm saying this no matter what Q4 is coming around. If you have the ability to sell through a ton right now, so your cash have, and we talked about this with Mark Meyer. I think, I mean, it was Mark Meyer that gave us that great quote, right? You want to be inventory light and cash heavy. Yep. I think that's what he said. Something like to that. Something effect. to that effect. Yeah. And during a time of crisis, when people are feverishly <laughs> buying things, you just want to keep selling. You don't want to counter offer. You don't want to try to get that top dollar. You don't want to get lowballed either. But if let's say, listen, you paid something, you paid $5 for an item and somebody offers you 30 bucks, that's still $20 net at least. I mean, maybe at, you know, maybe if you charge shipping, if you didn't charge shipping, maybe it's 15, whatever it is, but you're still three xing your money. Like make the sales, sell things when the opportunity arises don't don't hold on to that last dollar, especially in a time of crisis, because you don't know when things are going to slow down. So you got to make those sales happen. Yeah. And that, that kind of goes with even with what I've said of, of trying slightly changing my model. You know, I'm not 100% fast nickel yet, but I'm going through and I'm lowering a lot of prices. Um, I, just tonight before we recorded this podcast, I got here a little early and I went through some of the big items that I had that I wanted to go local and I hadn't listed yet. And I listed pretty much every big item that I want to sell locally. 
and I'm probably selling it for like 20% less than I know I can make for them, but I'm hoping to get this cash before I leave in a week to go on my trip, right? Because my my thought process is if I can go on my trip with an extra $400 of cash in my pocket, that's money I can spend at, at thrift stores. That's money I can spend at garage sales while I'm on my trip. And I can turn that into even more money. Whereas I can let this inventory sit maybe another month, four months until I get that extra 20% on those items. But the problem with that is you know, that's not doing me any good right now. I can get that cash now and make way more than 20% profit in the next two, three, four months by just having that cash available. And so you might need to go through your inventory and say, you know, I'm willing to take lower offers and I, I, I might need cash, right? Because if you're dealing with a situation where maybe you got cut at work, maybe you're part-time um, or you got another side hustle and your other side hustle, like let's say, I mean, I know some people who like, okay, you do um, like catering on the side, right? And you have a little catering business. Well, that whole side hustle might have just crashed right now, right? And so if you are in a place where you need to now make sure you have enough money to cover your personal bills and not just building business equity and, and business assets, then you need to start moving inventory, even if it's at a lower price, because um, a, a economic principle that's really important is money is worth more today than it is tomorrow. And the reason for that is several fold, but one of it is inflation, right? Like that's a big part of it. And the potential of money now versus, you know, I might have money a month from now. Well, depending on how much money difference, obviously, you know, if you're going to make 50% more in a month, it might be worthwhile, like, you know, hanging on to it. But even still, um, it's- Yeah, but right now you come back from your trip, we could be in a whole different scenario. Yeah, no, for sure. And so I would love to go, I think I'd be better off going with, an extra $400 in my pocket um, cash now than making $500, you know, six months from now, right? I'm going to be able to turn that $400 into much more. Uh, so, you know, you get those sales when you need to get them, figure out maybe some big items that you can lower the price down a little bit, get those items out of your store. And then when those sourcing opportunities open up, you can really capitalize on it. Agreed. Agreed. And that, that's a new one for me. I mean, I... I took way more offers during this pandemic than I ever have in my entire reselling career. I, I, I mean, there were certain days. I know I never lost. I, you know, there were some items I only made like $3 net profit. But, you know, we always talk about triggering the algorithm on eBay. It just made things happen. And let's talk about Amazon a little bit. So on Amazon, there was, you know, Amazon is the place for the race to the bottom, right? And there were certain items that I was able to sell fast on. And I remember... Looking at it and going, okay, we're in a time of crisis. So this item is hot right now. If for me to say, you know what, I'm going to wait for the other individuals to sell out so I can have a higher dollar amount. I could wait two weeks and I could be, I could be done. Like, and not, not done, like done with my inventory, like done financially, because what happens? Things turn around, situations change, people's buying behaviors change. And I could have had, yes, it would have, I would have sold things for less, but I sold through my inventory and now that that's cash in hand. Where now, actually, I've actually gone to some of the items I've gone back to and the same people are still holding out to make that sale. And I'm like, you're, you're playing a dangerous game because you can hit Q4 and by the time Q4 hits and let's say, let's say things are all good. Let's say crisis, you know, isn't uh, crisis averted department stores are open, whatever, da, da, da. and a lot of you may say that may not happen. Uh, who knows? I, 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 don't, I don't think it'll be that nice, but let's say it was, or it is, because <laughs> we're talking about, we don't come from the future, right? I'm just checking. That would be sweet. 
I, it's funny. I just, I'm laughing because I find people on TikTok that are like time travelers mm. and they're like, we have a message for the people. I'm like, who follow these people? Who follows these people? Actually, I saw a guy today make an apology about saying that he was a perfect time traveler because he's scared a ton of kids on the app. Oh gosh. Uh, see, what kind of world do we live in where you have to uh, qualify the fact that you were joking when you said you were a time traveler? I mean, but the stuff he was saying was like doomsday stuff right so you know you're a young impressionable kid you're watching this right and you know social media is life here's what i i i say this is totally off topic we are so you, off, you topic us off topic i did so, i did um if you are not capable of rationalizing the fact that somebody on the internet is not being honest when they say they're from the future you shouldn't be on social media you're not mature enough just saying you're just not a believer in time travel i all right <laughs> I'm just joking, no. But but that but anyways, I say all that because it's a dangerous game that you're playing. Like if you have a hot item, keep it burning, keep it hot, get it out of your hands, get it into the buyer, yeah, and move stoke on. that flame, stoke that fuel, that fire. Yes, all right, all right, um, all right. This is the other one that uh, this is unpopular. So a lot of people want to say I don't ever do returns. The reality is. Especially if you're on Amazon, you have no choice but to accept returns. Zero. You have no choice. Amazon doesn't give you the option. It, that's it. You're doing returns. Now, what I learned during this pandemic is that a lot of new sellers thought that once they had cash, once they already paid, the story was over. And that is a bad place to be. I know a lot of people that were buying weights and you know they're selling them for crazy money. I'm talking about like you know, a hundred dollars set of weights that they source and they're selling for like a thousand and they thought they had to cash in hand. And guess what? A week later, they had a money back guarantee return from eBay and they already spent that money. So now they're in trouble, right? They have to refund a thousand. I'm being, I'm being exaggerated to get the point across. Okay. I don't know if a thousand, five hundred dollars. That seems reasonable. Okay. Some things were a thousand bucks. They were like the, what were those, those, those Bowflex things, adjustable dumbbells. Yeah, those, mm -hmm. those, those were they were hot, and then they, and then the market went down too. And here's what happens: people get remorse, right? They paid a thousand dollars, and then they go or back. They hear their gyms opening up in two weeks. Yeah, I agree, right? And then they're like, and then they can come up with anything. This is what people think. People think I, and I'm just speaking in generalities here. A lot of a lot of people think that like there's gonna be justice when you resell. There is no justice when you resell. And what I mean is, like today, give you an example. I sold a football jersey on Saturday. Football jersey was a 2X. You know, I'm a, I'm a big boy. I know what 2X looks like. I know how it fits, right? Sometimes it fits a little snug, right? Like my shirt right now might be a little snug, okay? But I ship this out. I send it. The guy sends it immediately, return request. This is a women's 2X. Doesn't fit. I'm like, listen. So... If I had a no return policy, I still would have lost because all he has to do is claim item that is described. This is a women's football jersey, not a men's. And eBay is going to say, you got to accept the return and it's over. Right. That, that's it. Right. And so what am I trying to tell you in all this? Part of being capital ready is being cash return ready. Mm. Make sure you have enough money reserved for when the returns hit. Right, because you're going to be selling things at a premium in any time of crisis, and what's going to happen is a lot of people in the beginning of a crisis, 
aren't going to have a lot of cash. Like a lot of people had stimulus checks. But when did, when were those stimulus checks? Like April, beginning of yeah, April? I don't know. Something like that. Okay. Then, then comes May. Right. Things are a little, actually right now we're, you know, depending on whatever, we haven't reported like GDP results yet. Right. I don't think so. Okay. But when that hits, if, if it's, if it's down again, it's recession time, right? You need six months, uh, two quarters continuous, right. Of economic decline in GDP to call it a recession. Right. So if that hits, there could be people that are going to begin to go, you know what? Um, I'm a little concerned and, uh, I'm going to return these items that I bought. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think maybe just a, a good principle. And again, this is difficult to do. And this goes back to, like we said, with with financial peace or with uh, total money makeover is the idea that, um, and, and this is something that I've established in my personal finances. And it was probably the greatest thing I ever did wow. was I got to a place where I, I have enough money where I pay for the entire month in advance, right? Like I have enough money in savings that it's like, all right, we're coming up on July. I pull money out of savings for July. I pay all of my bills for July. I pay everything I need to do. I put money into the, my different envelopes so that I'm prepared for all the different things. You still I'm doing. do envelopes? Um, I have envelopes. Yeah, I, I'm um, impressed. Um, I only use them. I don't use them for like spending money, but like I know that, for instance, my my solar system is in the next two years. I'm probably gonna have to replace batteries and some other parts. So I put fifty dollars a month in there every single month, knowing you know, like okay, like when when that happens, I can just buy new batteries, right? It's yeah. not going to hit me at all, or or you know, things like vet. Like I know that I'm going to have a vet bill probably once every year or two. That's going to be like, oh, that was seven hundred bucks. So I'm putting money every month into that. So by doing that each month, pulling out what I need, then when I get paid in in July, none of that money do I have to spend. All that money goes directly into savings, and it's prepared to pay. The next month, right? And so you kind of want to get to a similar thing in your business. You don't want to be month to month. Now, when you're first starting out, this is not like, hey, do this tomorrow, right? If you're not at this place, it's going to take time, but you got to have a plan or you're never going to get there. And what you want to be able to do is pull from your business account enough to, you know, buy new inventory, pay yourself, all of those things for the month in advance, but you're not like relying on a sale that you got today to make it this month, right? Like you want to be in a place where you can fund the next month without having to use any of the money that you're making this month. So when you can do that, then when you have a return happen in the next 30 days, you're fine. You've got it covered because it's not money you've already had to spend because that's money you've got kind of building up and in, in, in your, your savings, your business savings to cover the next months of expenses. So you want to make sure that you get to that place. And, and it's just the idea, like I grew up, my family, it was month to month paycheck to paycheck. So not even month to month. Sometimes it was like we were going from one lending place to the next lending place. So we'd, we'd go to one, one, you know, lending tree to pay off what we owed the other lending tree, right? Like it was that bad. And I just remember as a kid thinking, I don't ever want to be like this. I don't want to say, Hey, it's payday. I can go out. Right. I wanted to have enough money where I could cover that. And so if you can transfer that to your business, and it, again, it's kind of a mind shift because a lot of times you think, yeah, I, I just made $1,000 on this sale. I want to go spend it. And maybe you're at a place where you've got enough savings that you can say, all right, I'm going to go spend this money, buy more inventory. And then if I have to refund that $1,000, it's not a problem. I have enough savings for my business to cover any expenses, any returns that happen in the next 30 days. So you got to be there. You got to get to that place. Um, and maybe a good place to start is to say 20% of your profit each month, you're just going to put in, in business savings because we talked about business capital. And you can have a separate business savings, right? So when things go wrong, it's like, oh, here's money I have set aside for refunds or for extra supplies or for those things. And it doesn't ever actually hurt you because you're paying into that for when those rainy days happen. <laughs> Agreed.
We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, PureHustle25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sellhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, purehustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all, is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. I mean, it's so crazy because... They are these principles, some of these principles that we're sharing, they're not like just reselling principles. They're just good financial practices. And I want you guys to understand, we're not saying this out of a place of guru status. We're saying this out of my, I don't know about Mike. I think Mike's always been financially sound since day one, but I can say for myself, like I wasn't, I wasn't probably until I was 30 and I'm 40 now. So for a decade, I've been, I would say close to financially sound. But it, and again, it doesn't mean I've been wealthy. It just means I've been able to, I've never worried about paying bills. I've, life has been good financially, right? But it's because a lot of terrible mistakes, talking about thousands in credit card debt, talking about, you know, buying stuff without thinking about the next month or a year ahead and and all those things. So I want, I want you guys to understand that because sometimes I feel like we share stuff and I'm like, I hope we're not sounding like we've arrived. No, not even close. Because I know that where I want to be is, is oh yeah, we're not even down close. the down yeah, the, yeah. the road, you know. But um, here the it, the practices that I've been able to implement that have got me so far 
And I know if I continue these practices that it'll get me to that next step. Uh, but all of this to say, um, before we move on to the next section is, you know, you've got to, as much as, you know, some, you know, Orlando doesn't like the term discipline and, and, and again, like the, there's connotations there, but I love the idea of like, you have to have a target. You have to have a plan. Like if you're just saying like, Hey, I just want to keep growing my business, but oh, you're no, not going to say you have to have a plan. Yeah. So if you have a plan <laughs> and you say like, okay, like in the next six months, I want to be able to have at least X amount of money that could cover two months worth of business, like expenses, like maybe it's $5,000 in a business savings account where I could use that as, as, as liquid cash if I need to in a situation, but it's there as a, as a, as a savings. So that way, if I've got a few big returns, I need to buy something. All of a sudden my, the rent and my storage went up or whatever your situation is, I have to move to a new storage place. You can cover those things. And the only way to get there is to say, okay, if I want to be there in the next six months, how much money do I have to set aside each month to get there? Okay. Well, it's $300. Okay. Well, if I need $300 each month to put into this account to get to that place, uh, I need to actually make sure I'm selling enough to do that, cover all my bills and take $300 and put it in there. And if you don't have that plan, if you're just like, well, I'm just growing, you're never going to reach that place. Like maybe you'll get there like over time. Maybe it takes you three years because you accidentally got there because you've just been building enough and you've done enough right things. But you can get there a lot quicker if you focus and you're disciplined and you're going to say like, you know, I'm just not going to eat out twice or I'm going to take a little bit less of a paycheck because I already told myself, I'm this is a $300 a month bill that I'm paying to myself into this account. And I just got to figure out how to make it work. So that way, down the road, six months down the road, something big happens. I'm not stressed out. I can I can be just fine. Agreed. Agreed. You want a stress-free life. You're not getting into reselling to make your life miserable. No. Okay. All right. Hey, next next thing, be inventory ready. Yeah. All right. And this, this we covered a lot. We had a, didn't we have a whole episode about like. I think so, yeah. Okay. So I, some of this is repeat things, but. Hey, if you're in a in a crisis, right? Don't ignore your I call them reserves. Don't ignore your death piles. I think we all as resellers that had death piles were more grateful than we've ever been before through this pandemic that we had death piles. I I I don't know about you, but I I found there there was like this kind of a shift in the reselling community because there were some people that were like panicking because they were team no death pile. And not only team, they were amazing. They were amazing. I'm not saying anything negative against them. They were just so good at what they did is that they listed everything and they sold everything they had like within a month, which to me is amazing. Like, but it also requires major hustle to do that. Right. There are others that were kind of lackadaisical like me that I just listed cute things I cared about. <laughs> and then the things I didn't care about, they're still in a death pile. But what I'll say is in a crisis, don't panic and go, I don't have any inventory. Chances are you have reserves or whatever you want to call it somewhere in your storage that you didn't know about. I can't tell you I, how many Instagram stories I made where I was like, huh, I wonder what I have here. Oh, look at this toe. Wow. Here's profit I missed out on. Now, just to, to clarify on this, at least my position is you still would be better off not having that as a death pile, right? If you would have had that listed three months ago, um, you're still better off come the pandemic, come the situation where unless I made I made more money when I listed it during the pandemic. Yeah, but again, that's that's just an <laughs> I know, unknown, right? I know, like I know. Always, I'm messing around. Always play that game. So, uh, but you would have been better off if that had been listed three months ago, and if you didn't have any death pile, not because you didn't have as many listings, but instead of having let's say a thousand items in your store, you had twelve hundred items in your store when this hit. Maybe you don't have two hundred items that you can list over the next month, but you've got all those items are already listed, which means some of them have, have 
potentially already sold before, which means you were buying more. So you're better off not having a death pile than having a death pile. But like Orlando said, the reality is most people do have some kind of a death pile. And so, yeah, you know, capitalize on that and use the time that you have, you know, forced upon you of, hey, you can't do anything else. List the things you have to list. Well, and it was it was great because I ended up going through stuff and I didn't know what I had. Like, I, I, I don't know if there's, you know, no one's done any research in the reselling community and no one probably ever will. But I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that sell secondary goods on eBay and that they have, you know, stores of over a thousand or I would say even over 500, okay, have stuff throughout their house or in storage somewhere that they never listed that they actually forgot about. That they at one point in time said they'll get to it and then it just got buried or it got put somewhere. And then it's like a secondary treasure hunt when they find it because they're like, wow, there's actually profit in these items. And so, again, if we get hit again with second wave and you're like, hey, I don't know where to look. I don't know. Listen, look again, because there's still actually I still have stuff I didn't get through through the pandemic because I ended up just sourcing more stuff during the pandemic because it was such a great price. and. I, I need to go through. I have like, I think I have like two or three totes I still haven't gone through. And I still have probably a stack of 15 to 20 electronics that I need to just clean up and test and that it up. But they're there. They're there. All right. The next thing is, this is the controversial one. Yeah, I disagree with it already. All right. So I'm a big believer in buying more than you can list. I think that's terrible advice, but go ahead. I'm not saying it's advice. Say. That's what I learned. Whether it's good or bad, it was good for me. It's probably bad for the other 99.9% of people. No, but it just as a business model, like having more inventory than you can actually sell is not a good model. Like, how is that a good model? I, okay, I'm not saying it's a good model. What I, but it was, it practically works during a crisis, I think. And the reason I say that is because you never know when you're going to end up short. You never know when it, things are going to dry up. You never know when you're not going to have anything else. And I think right now, uh, during a time, um, we're still in crisis mode. I mean, it's yeah, things look like they've calmed down and things are opening, closing, whatever. We're not through this yet. Like we, we may not be through this until 2021, right? So with that being said, I right now, my position is I want to buy more than I can actually handle listing. Because if the clamps come down and I can't source or my connections dry up and I'm out of stuff, I will always have stuff to go back to. Now, I think maybe the the where I would meet you in the middle on this is okay. reselling is is multiple parts, right? It's sourcing, it's listing, and it's it's selling, right? Like shipping and, and processing. So there's like the three parts of 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 your the cycle. You have to get inventory, you have to process the inventory in your own inventory. And then you have to export that inventory, right? So those are the kind of the three steps. And so if you look at reselling in that way, I I I would say I agree with the idea of okay, if you can go out and source enough in two days to last you a month of the second phase of of your business, which is listing and organizing and then potentially shipping that stuff out, I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with saying like source enough stuff that you can't, you know, list it all in one day. That's fine. But I would say like there's a, a a line to draw where you would say, okay, like if it's always like let's say things start to open back up, if you get to a place where you've got 
months and months and months of backed up inventory and you're still sourcing, I think that's a bad model. I think you'd be better okay. off changing non-liquid assets that's sitting, like you literally have money sitting on shelves, right? Like, or in totes and underneath your bed or wherever you have it. <laughs> it'd be better to get that into cash and go buy more stuff, right? Like that would be where you'd be better off as opposed to, or use but that I money But I think if you it. already have that cash, you're okay. Yeah, but like even, it wasn't like I was short on cash to buy more. Okay, I, I mean that's you know what I mean. But but even still, like if you had a choice of I have I could have five thousand dollars potential net profit sitting under my bed, or I could have five thousand dollars cash in the bank. It's always better to have five thousand dollars cash in the bank. Yeah, it's true. And I, I'm not going to disagree. With you that. could have a hundred thousand dollars cash and say I don't need the five thousand dollars cash in the bank, but it's better to have that liquid yeah. than to have it not liquid. I just don't know what the happy I, I it, what, what we're discussing basically is the line between a reseller and a hoarder. Right. I mean, that that's just the bottom line. Right. And so I'm not at hoarding status. I may have been before the pandemic, uh, but not not even not even because I really didn't have. I mean, outside of my the top of my kitchen cabinets, I really didn't have any inventory throughout my house. Now things have changed a little bit because I have I am I am buying heavy right now. I am buying heavy because I want to make sure if Q4 hits and, you know, <laughs> California, we end up locking down again. I don't want to have to, you know, because what happened during the pandemic, and I haven't talked about this a lot because I talked about connections, but it also took a lot of time to make things happen, right? Calling different people, them getting back to you, figuring out the pickup that, you know what I mean? It just, it, it took time where it would have been nice if I could just boom, just start listening, start listening, start listening, start listening, start listening. If it was for Amazon, you know, instead of trying to find my resources, like, they were there already, right? That, that, that was done. And so, and that's actually one of the next points. So make sure, and I'm not trying to skip over it. I just threw that out there, whether that's good advice or not, it's up to you. You take, let, let us know your thoughts in the comments below. As always, Orlando doesn't mind being wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I'm okay with that. Uh, make sure you have your sourcing, your sourcing options established like now. Right, because what ended up happening is a lot of a lot of a lot of people that DM'd us, including myself, is we try to establish relationships during the crisis, and that's really hard because individuals that you can establish networking with, they already have their networks. Like in a time of crisis, they're gonna go to who they know. So if you're new and they don't know you, like for them to take a risk on you is it's kind of sketchy at that time, right? Because money's tight. People aren't trusting each other as they, you know, as they normally would when the economy is good. So think about that right now. Cause even right now, if you, have you been to Ross lately? Nope. Yeah. Ross is, there's nothing, at least here in San Diego, there, there's plenty of signs throughout the store. Like, thank you for your patience as we attempt to restock, but it, it's empty and bare shelves. Like you, there's no, I try to go, I, I was going to source and I know. Some people like the first two days that Ross was open, like they hit the stores up and they had that mega clearance. And so a lot of people cleaned up, but even then there wasn't a lot. Right. And if you're in Cali and I'm wrong, let me know. But <laughs> my experience was when I went out to those stores, it wasn't what I was seeing on Instagram and other parts of the country. Mm. What I saw here was empty, empty. I mean, it was bad. And so what does that mean? If you were a reseller that was mainly going to Ross and Marshall's and TJ Maxx and Burlington, right? You're kind of in a bind right now. Burlington did have their major 50% off sale and they were selling all kinds of stuff, but there are some Burlington that are liquidating now, right? 
Marshalls, we don't know. I I actually went to Marshalls the other day and eh, it wasn't it wasn't anything great. So if that was your main way of sourcing, like and and we get into another scenario, like hopefully you have other avenues to get retail arbitrage or have other ways of selling stuff to keep yourself. And again, I'm specifically talking to full time, right? If you're full time and all you're doing is RA, like during a time of crisis, RA gets hit, I think, more than anything, right? That's why <laughs> RA items sell for way more money because they're harder to get. So, do you have anything you want to add to this? Blind demand. No, it's good. Okay. So, anyways, no network now. Network now. We always say that network, 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 just network. All right. And the last one is sell safely. You know where I'm going with this? I want to see if Mike can read my mind. Um, make sure to disinfect your items. <laughs> okay, no, no. Do not sell items that have the potential of suspending you. Hmm. There were so many people. I remember I remember late February, early March. Remember all the messages we were getting, like emails and DMs, like Orlando, we're making a killing on masks. We're make, making a killing on hand sanitizers. You got to get on this. You got to get on this. And a lot of you that listen, you you guys did well. Like it didn't affect you. Like I think you guys got in real quick. You made your money and you got out and you're good. There's others I know that they had their Amazon account suspended. I know some that got subpoenas uh, from the courts. Uh, Attorney general going after individuals. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was not a good scenario. So yeah, no, that's tough. And yeah, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. And it it's it's difficult because I can see both sides of the of the the situation, right? Like I could see how an average. I'm person, all for selling the stuff. No, Don't for get sure. Me wrong. Well, and me too. But I, again, I want to I want to preface that with the idea that I can see why people would see that and think that this is bad or it's abusing the system. I get that from like a natural, you know, knee jerk reaction of like, I can't believe people would like take advantage. People need hand sanitizer, but we see what happened, right? Like with masks and hand sanitizer, those are both two good examples. So yeah, we could say during a, for like a week or two, hand sanitizer was almost impossible to get because everybody bought all of it and it was selling for so much money. But because people for a, t- a short period of time were able to sell hand sanitizer for 10 times what it's worth, then different companies jumped on it, right? Yeah. Like everybody started making hand sanitizer or masks is another good example. There was a short period of time where you can make a bunch of money on masks. So all of a sudden, everybody with an Etsy shot, anybody, everybody with a sewing machine started making masks. Well, because masks originally were $25 a mask, but there's so many of them being made. The price goes from $25 to masks. Now people are almost giving them away because they're like, I've made a hundred masks. You go to Costco, I, three for 15 right yeah, now. I can't, I can't even sell these masks. And so what happens is because of a very short-term price increase because there's not enough supply, then that triggers the economy to say, we need to increase supply. Supply increases so much that prices actually go down. So in the long term, it's better for the consumer. But I can see like in a short period of time, people would think this isn't fair. There's no masks. There's no hand sanitizer. People are taking advantage. But the problem is, and again, this is an economic thing. And so that's not what this podcast is about. But essentially, if you were to say you can only charge $5 per mask, then all of those people with sewing machines wouldn't be making masks. You would still have a mask shortage. But the moment you can say you can charge whatever you want for masks, now there's an abundance of masks and those prices naturally drop to $5 or lower a mask because people overcreate the supply. So it ends up being better in the long term when you don't put price restrictions. As soon as you put a price restriction on something, it actually ends up lowering the supply, not increasing supply. 100%. I mean, I'm not... 
the the point you're making, I'm 100% on board, free market all the way. But the on a practical personal level, as a seller, might not be worth it. It's not I don't I do not believe it's worth it. I mean, Amazon I mean, yeah, I mean, I, that dude in Tennessee that had like 17,000 bottles of sanitizer, number one, why did he choose to let them write a news article about him? Like he posed with this stuff. Like, I don't know if that dude has friends anymore. If you listen to the podcast, let us know. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear your experience. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe some good decisions made and maybe some really bad decisions well, made and, on that and, one. And that's what I mean. I, I just, be careful because in a time of crisis, when there are things that people, remember, People started like deeming all kinds of things of, as essential right now. The mask and the hand sanitizers to me, those were, I would say the masks were essential. Like I, I, again, I'm not saying there should have been restrictions been put on it, but they were essential. Right. But I, I'll never forget the very beginning of the pandemic when the U S attorney general Barr said, we're going after those that are hoarding masks. I'm like, I'm in my head. I'm like, if you're a reseller right now, you better stop. Like when the U S government says they're coming after you, like, like they're going to come after you hard too. It's like, you're probably better off selling illegal drugs at that point uh, than selling masks. Yeah. Because it's, it's a, it's a political thing at that point. And, and it's what it, it's the statement it's making and that, that people can make by going after it. And so, yeah, it's not worth. And again, even we've talked about this before with reselling just in general, like it, you go and you buy t- toys from a store and you sell them for more on Amazon and people think, well, that's not fair. And and there's reasons why that that it could be a good thing. But the AG is not going to come after you for selling exactly. toys. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying, though, is like there's already a bad enough. The, the stigma is already potentially for so many people because they don't understand the the, the full ramifications of, of what reselling does and why it's a essential part in a free economy to price adjust things and to it's really make sure good. that supply and demand meet, meets at where it's supposed to meet at. Uh, it's a really important thing, but people don't always get it. They don't understand all the implications. And so they look at people doing that with like a, you're, they already kind of see you as scummy or bad. So then as soon as you're doing something that's medical in nature or essential in nature, you've, you've just taken it to an extreme where, yeah, like you said, you, you could potentially lose friends and family and the, the general public is going to think terrible of you and you could lose your business. You can have face, you know, jail time, all of those things. And is it worth it for maybe a potential huge, you know, score? I, man, you're, some may say yes, you're, but I just think like, I would say no, your reputation is the most important maybe in general, not the most important thing you have, but it's one of the most important things that you have is your reputation and, and protecting that at almost all costs is really important. And, you know, maybe losing a little bit of profit short term is worth long-term reputation. Yeah. And again, on the practical level, right. Your reputation with Amazon and eBay, cause this happened on both platforms, right? Cause eBay had the pressure put on them to go after individuals that were selling essential stuff. So be careful. I would say, you know, like puzzles, like those weren't essentials, right? I didn't see anybody going after people that were selling puzzles or, or were selling, you know, all kinds of other items that were hot, like weights. Like there were arguments being made <laughs> that weights were essential, but the reality is no one's going to follow that. So just be careful and source safely in a crisis. That's good. All right. I think we're ready for our, 
I, I, I would say the favorite part of this episode. Yeah, but we're not, though, because before we do this, you're supposed to do it. Oh, I'm supposed to do my social media thing? Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you haven't had a chance yet to follow us on social media, we are Pure Soul Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. We are Pure Soul. started off with TikTok on that one. I see what you did. Yeah, well, you know, we got a lot of new there's listeners actually a new. There's actually a new uh, social media that's kind of picking up. Uh, oh, no, Steam. another one? Um, might be something for us to jump on. So if we're not on Parlor yet, uh, Parlor, check I out, heard of that. Check out in the next couple of weeks. You might you might end up seeing Pierce Podcast on Parlor too. Parlor, yeah. Wow. Okay. There's also Bite, like the new Vine. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that went anywhere. There, yeah. There's actually a lot out there. So, anyways, but for now we're on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, and we are Pierce Cast on Twitter. Uh, you can always leave us a phone call at six one nine seven three eight eleven seventy. Hey, hustles a week. We would love to hear your story. We actually are planning on doing a future just hustle a week episode. Yeah, but we need you to call in, right? So it's like, not boring yeah. just, just saying stories yeah, we all the time. We don't know the whole story. Like, you can tell us a little bit, but it's not the same as when, you know, you give us the story. So call them in. Let us know on the voicemail. Hey, you know, what's your name? What's your Instagram handle or your, your social media handle? What's your hustle of the week? You know, make it succinct in, in, in a, a couple of minutes. And that way we can play and talk about it. Um... You know, if it's a 30 minute story, uh, probably will be, you know, edited. I would say it has to be less than two minutes. Highly, highly redacted yeah. or edited. <laughs> redacted. A bridge. Can you redact an audio? It'll just be a bridge. Okay. Yeah. A bridge. All right. Hey, and also you can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. podcast at gmail.com. And if you are listening, but you also want to see what's going on, we drop videos every once in a while. Mike just dropped a garage sale video on YouTube. So hit that subscribe and that bell notification to be notified when things hit. And as always, we are super grateful for all the reviews. And we did hit 300 reviews. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. Reviews are like, that's like, that's like. Our, our our motivation. That's what really keeps us going. So we really, really appreciate those iTunes reviews. Um, I want to read one of them. I think let's it's do it. I want awesome. to hear it. So our latest one was pretty sweet. And so this was, this is, this person has a fifth wheel too. Oh, nice. So this is kind of nice. So this comes from, I hope I said your name right. It's either Jen, Nika, or Jenica A. It's one or the other. Okay. On iTunes. These are iTunes reviews, by the way, that we're talking about. She says, I'm a fairly new full-time reseller, primarily on the Poshmark app. Worked it part-time for three years and now full-time for the past month. I've dipped my toe into eBay years ago, but haven't done all the research. I can sell I, I can sell items there yet and actually generate a decent profit. I stumbled upon Pierce Podcast about a month ago, just searching up reseller slash hustle-based podcasts. So just to let you know... As we get more reviews, we're higher in the algorithm. So I'll give you an example. People actually find us when they are looking for those things. Yeah, because back in the day, I, I used to have to type in pure hustle podcast for like our name to pop up. Now I can just type a pure and we're like the fifth option. Nice. Right. So the so algorithm's kicking, kicking us in. All right. Then, then this is where it gets interesting. She says, I live in an RV full time in San Diego and sometimes stay in places where there is no signal but I will drive into town just to download the latest episode of PHP nice. or whatever episode I've missed in the past. That, that's so awesome. That's awesome. That's cool. I, I feel <laughs> we, we're good. We're good for the year now. <laughs> All right. And she also says, it's nice to listen to these guys discuss potential bolos, what's going on in the reselling world, tips or random stories that help keep me motivated to keep pursuing my reselling goals, especially as a newbie in the industry. By the way, I don't know if you're a newbie. 
like three years part time and you're an RV full time and you're reselling, I, I think you're past newbie stage. Yeah, that's 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 pure hustle status right there. That <laughs> is. Even if I can't always relate to the topics about eBay, etc., I still like listening to these discussions because they help me keep up with the current events and keep my business mind going, both when I'm working or just relaxing. Thank you for your hard work in putting this podcast together and serving us with some great content. Wow, man, that was such an awesome review. Thank you guys. I mean, everybody who goes on and leaves a review like that, like honestly, like reading those, like it, it it's it's what makes Orlando and I want to keep doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and even if you don't have the time to like write something out, like just those stars, like every time we see like, hey, we've got more reviews, that's how we know for sure that like we're making a difference, that the content we're making is valuable to people. So uh, we just really, really appreciate that. Um, it, it, it means a ton to us. So if you haven't had a chance to go over yet to iTunes and leave a review, I mean, I don't even have uh, any Apple products, right? So like I would have to like make an account. <laughs> I do, so I, do. I know I know for some people it's like a challenge, but like it really, it does mean a ton to us. So, um, you know, if you get a chance, go ahead and do that. And if if you can't, you know, I mean, we just love that you're part of, you're listening, you're part of the community. Jump on over to to YouTube sometime uh, and leave some comments in, in on, on YouTube. And we'd love to just build that community too. So we just, the more that you participate, the the better off the the whole community is. So we, we really appreciate it. Agreed. All right. It is time for our Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, I do need to add a little bit of a tail to the end of that, but I'm gonna have to re-record it. It's a whole thing. Uh but anyways, uh so our first okay. our first um uh hustle comes from JP. Uh the Instagram handle is at Vacation Land Flipper. I like that. Uh came across an all-over print black and white t-shirt. At the store that should not be named. So looked up comps for uh, Save Your Soul Jesus all over print shirt. Not even sure what that is, but so let me explain it real quick. So by the way, I give we sometimes people DM us and tell us to like do a screen share. Mm-hmm. Hey, just go to these handles. It's on there. It's on yeah, the Instagram exactly. post, right? Show us some love. Show us some support. Some support. So it's basically it's a shirt, an all over shirt, black and white, and it's all kinds of leaders, mm-hmm. like leaders from the 20th century. And then in the back, there is no one but Jesus. And it has like a Bible verse and it's like only Jesus saves. Mm. And I don't know. Anyways, so that's what the shirt is. It's an interesting shirt. I wouldn't have picked it up had I come across it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, this this person, JP, picks it up uh, and sees that there's comps going for around $200 on eBay. So uh, JP listed it on eBay at 11 p.m. for $299 and sold it for full price by 4.30 a.m. after having five offers. Uh, still kind of a mystery as to the reason why that shirt was so expensive. Uh, but it seems like uh, Drake wore it one time. And so, you know, if Drake That's wears it. something, you know, it's it's gold, I guess. I, I tried to research. I went on Terapeak. I went, I worth point. I just, I couldn't find what, what the value was in this shirt. You know, I mean, I kind of almost wonder, I mean, obviously there's a, a reason why that shirt was worth money, but I wonder if you could just take like a random t-shirt and just put it up for like 500 bucks and like, just see what happens. You do know? you want to experiment that? Let's do that sometime. Just, I know. There's we'll like tie dye a shirt. We'll take like a cool shirt. That's like an like an old ninety shirt or something. We'll tie dye it, and then we'll put it up for like three hundred bucks and see what happens. Let's do that because I do know a guy. A kid actually it was on TikTok. It was, it was a teenager that just started making random paintings and put it on eBay for high price, and he was selling them. I'm like whoa. So anyway, thank you so much, JP IG handle Vacation Land Flipper. Check it out on Instagram to take a look at the shirt, so you can keep your eyes open for that bolo. Yeah. All right, next we have JL, IG handle, Fast Flips and Thrift. Actually, he is a San Diego person. Nice. So, you know, hopefully we'll run into you sometime soon. I'm sure we always run into people all the time. Yeah. Mike runs into more than I do. But, you know, hopefully, I, I don't know, maybe 
I just get the sense it's because people are worried you're gonna chase them down and, and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take their goods. Yeah. No. All right. So, Ijo went to the store that shall not be named. Also, like, think about it. This is during pandemic. Like the odds of getting stuff right at the store, and came across a Pioneer receiver in pristine condition. So I'm wondering if this is a store that I missed. Right. That well, but he went and so he found the Pioneer receiver. Pristine condition selling for $49.99. Ask if there was any further discounts, which it's really hard to do in San Diego. Like they 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 don't like unless you know people, like they're not gonna work with you. But it happened here. Workers said they just placed it on the shelf and they're willing to let it go for $29.99. It's kind of surprising. Like brand new and they were willing to let it go. Listed on eBay for $4.99 and sold within a week and a half for a best offer of $450 plus shipping. Nice. That is nice. You know, I'm finding I love selling receivers. Yeah, receivers are great. And, uh, you know, the store that's nearby, you know, that we mm -hmm. love, like I know the people there, so they always test it. And once they tell me they test it, I don't test it again. Mm -hmm. And it's been really nice because all I do is list it. And, you know, receivers, it's just one bulk thing. Yeah. Right. And maybe a remote. Mm -hmm. And then you just like, you know, just bubble wrap it, make sure the corners are good, put it in a box and you're good to go. Yep. So I love receivers. Great job, JL. Fast flips and thrifts in San Diego. Hopefully we'll run into you sometime. Nice. Yeah. All right. Our next one comes from Clay. IG handle at East TX Flip Syndicate. So it's from East our live. Texas Flip Syndicate. Yeah. So we we had a chance to uh, chat with you on our live. And the cool thing is, is on the live, like when we asked for bolos, um, I saw like multiple times just on the screen, bats, bats, bats. And I'm like, I... I don't even know how to talk about that as a bolo, but I guess it's a bolo, right? And it all makes sense now because uh, Clay came across 500 baseball bats being sold locally for $300. The seller wouldn't budge, but decided to still move on them. So, uh, I mean, this is kind of like paying up, paying $300, but again, 500 items. 500 so bats? Not really. Um, you're still paying down, I guess. So the average cost was 63 cents each. The first bat sold for $79.98 plus shipping and has sold seven bats for a total of $155, uh, seven additional bats for a total of $155.25. Um, only has 25 listed so far and 400 more bats left to go. So, I mean, already pretty much made the money back um, almost to the break-even point and have only sold, what, eight bats? Yeah, seven or eight bats? And again, with the normal bulk buy, he did tell me there was a lot of junk bats, yeah. like some T-ball bats, but he's been selling them locally too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing too, is, is the big items, like usually you get a little bit of gold in the mix and that will more than pay for the, the stuff plus more. Or you can think of it the other way. Sometimes the junk that comes in a bulk buy pays for the bulk buy. It's very true. Very true. Happens a lot. Yeah. So Clay, awesome that you found this East TX Flip Syndicate on Instagram. Yeah. We had some, you know, here's the thing. We have a lot of great hustle of the week. So by the way, we really encourage you guys, if you like to call us and leave a voicemail, we really want to do an episode. Yeah, uh, we may, we have a major hustle of the week that we wanted to share, but we want to actually bring that person on ooh, if ooh, possible, ooh. because it is, some of you know what I'm talking about if you're on Instagram, but it was a fire hustle of the week. Like, you know, kind of like college pickers, Levi's jacket. It's that level. That's intense. That is intense. All right. What is your hustle of the week? All right. So my hustle of the week, um, Obviously, I mean, part of me wants to talk about the the Wi-Fi extenders that I got just because it's the most profitable item that I got this week. Yeah, that's awesome. But, but uh, even though that's the most profit, I think where my... I'm going to change my hustle of the week to those inversion boots and hang-up thing that I bought. Now, the reason why is I bought this for $2 and it came with the two boots and the, the hang-up bar thing. Um, I originally, when I bought it, 
I looked up and I was trying to look it up, you know, when you're making the purchase. And when, when somebody says it's two bucks, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, don't. I'm just going to pick it up. Like I'll do a little bit of research, but if, if, if I fail, I fail, I'll throw it away. But I see that the boots on their own are selling for anywhere from 49 to like $75 used. And so I'm like, I'm, this is a clear pickup, right? And I, I didn't see any comps of the hangup thing, but I didn't know what keywords to put in. So I didn't even look that up. Tonight, as I'm listing some stuff, I, I list those boots and I get them up for a decent price and I actually listed them a little lower than I know I could get. Again, going back to that idea of I just want to get them moved so that I can have that cash. Um, and then I look up and I finally was able to figure out what the, the brand was based off the brand of the boots of this um, bar that hooks up on a doorway and you can use it for pull-ups. You can use it for hooking up these inversion boots. And I'm seeing that this bar system is selling for $79 to $80, right? And, you know, $75 to $80. And I'm like, sweet, right? Like I'm thinking like, I, I'm going to make money off these boots, but that was all when I made that purchase. That's so right. in my mind, I'm like, I pay $2. I'm going to make like 45 to $75 on this. Like that's a sweet deal. Then come to find out I'm actually going to make double that, right? Like, so it's almost like that surprise, like surprise. I it's love like, it when that happens. It's, when you, it's like when you buy like a backpack for, and you're like, I'm going to be able to make $50 selling this. And then you open it up and there's something inside of it that you can sell and make a money on. A pencil that sells for a hundred. Right. Like that's kind of what I felt like when I was like, Ooh. I just assume that this other piece is like, oh, it's probably going to be too hard to ship. It's not going to make a lot of money. But for the price that it sells for, you know, it's like I said, $75 plus shipping. And it's only a couple of bolts. I can tear this down to where it's just flat. And so I put in the description, um, took pictures of it, put together. And I said, like, we'll we'll be disassembling for shipping. Uh, and I'm going to make money on this. And it's not going to be that difficult to ship. And so it's like, it's just that surprise. And that's what makes it a hustle is, you know, I kind of already wrote off the that part of the buy. I was just thinking, man, these boots are going to be a killer deal. And I end up making even more than I thought. So uh, I'm excited. And I think they'll sell faster split than put together. Nice. Um, I even saw some people selling just one boot, like replacement right boot, replacement left boot. And I'm like, oh, should I do like three listings instead Maybe. of just two? But I'm like, nah, like I just want these gone quickly, right? Like uh -huh. I'd love, I'd love to get rid of both of these, like I said, in the next week or two. So I have that cash that I can use on the road. Uh, but you know, uh, it, it's, it's not a huge hustle. Like I said, I'll make way more on those Wi-Fi extenders. Uh, but just the fact that it was kind of like surprise, more money. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I have a similar story. Let's hear it. So I, I will have a disclaimer here. So I had a lot of people, you know, people have found my store and they begin to follow me and they begin to, they begin to source what I source. And I don't have a problem with it, but I always warn people because people all the time want to know our store names and we don't share publicly for multiple reasons. One of them is I don't ever want people to try to do what we do. And what I mean by that is one, you really, I truly believe in reselling. You have to source what you enjoy because eventually you'll end up getting stuck. Now you should source profitable items. Not saying it's all fun and games. It's still a business. Okay. But what I mean by that is you may try to copy someone and it's just not your thing, right? And so I've had a, I've had people lately DM me. I'm like, hey, Orlando, man, I got into the buckle game and I don't know how you do it, but it's just not for me. Mm. Are you interested in buying some of my buckles? And I feel really bad because I've looked at the buckles and I'm like, and I'm sorry if you're listening to that to you. I, mm. I, I'm just, I, I'm just being real. And I look at the buckles and I'm like, ah, it's probably not worth it for me to pick these up, right? And buckles are very much like sourcing for Amazon books. Like you have to get through a ton of junk before you get to those books that are worth money. And buckles are the same way. 
like I've been selling buckles for about eight years. So I have eight years of experience in it. And I can look at a lot and I can tell you already like which ones are trash. There are some that like you will see multiple times and there are resellers that sell lots of buckles and they know they're selling you trash. And so you might go like, hey, I'm going to drop 80 bucks and I'm going to get 20 buckles and that's a steal because I'm getting them at, you know, whatever, four bucks and some change each. But guess what? You just bought a bunch of trash. So I just wanted to be real with people. So now let's get to the good part. So there are deals out there somewhere and they're hard. I mean, I've talked about eBay arbitrage. The reason that, you know, I don't share a lot of eBay arbitrage is because, you know, I worry about, you know, the market getting killed and so on. But what I'm finding is, is that it it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Like the stuff I found, like took me like three to four hours of sourcing on eBay, not driving somewhere. Not, you know, going on offer up, like literally going on scrolling, 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 watching some items, waiting for things to drop in price, waiting for the good offer. It took work. It took work. So I came across a lot of buckles during the pandemic and I haven't sourced buckles pandemic wise. <laughs> I, I think I sourced a, a lot about two weeks ago for like 11 bucks. I paid 20 and I'm probably gonna make a lot of money on it. But this lot, I paid 40 bucks for it. And in this lot, the ones that I thought were going to make me money, I've only sold one of them. So I picked up, I'm trying to do math, 11 buckles, right? I picked it up for $40. And let me see, did I pay shipping? I'm looking real quick. Okay, I paid shipping. So it was like 52 bucks for the whole lot. Okay. So the very first buckle, so I paid 40 bucks, by the way, 40 bucks plus shipping. So 52 bucks. The very first buckle was this random buckle that just had somebody like in a cart. And I shared this on Instagram. And it had some event. It was the Wichita, Kansas. It was, and it doesn't even like tell you anything else. It just has two dates. So I did some Google keyword search and I found out that it's a major event that happened in Kansas. And I saw that like little pins. I think I shared this a while back. Did I share this a while back? I don't know. But like even the little pins from this event were selling for like 20, 25 bucks. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to list this buckle high. I listed it for $64.99. I sold that first buckle for $55 plus shipping. So I'm already in profit. One buckle. Then later on, I sold another buckle. uh, uh, It was like a Kansas buckle. And I sold that buckle for $40 plus shipping. Right? So I'm like, all right, I'm good. Now, while I was was going through what I picked up, there was a certain buckle that looked kind of cool. It looked like something a rich person would wear. (laughs) So I had like a, I had an, uh, what do you call the oil, the big oil drills? Um, The, the. Is it an oil dike? Is that? Yeah, whatever it's called. It was a drilling. It had oil drilling all over it, right? And then when I flipped the buckle, it said sterling silver on it. I'm like, oh, nice. sterling silver. Now, I'm not a silver guy. Sterling, sterling silver isn't as valuable as silver because it's mixed with other elements, right? So it doesn't go for a lot of money, but it depends, right? And I also, the company that made this buckle, when I did research on it, their buckle sold for a lot of money. But I, you know, in Orlando's math, decided to list this buckle really high. And I'm like, all right, let, let's see. Let's see what I could get for this buckle. So I listed this buckle and I listed super high. I'm trying to see exactly what I, I listed this one for. Because, you know, I'm already I'm already in the profit. Right. And I'm already, you know, $90 somewhere around there. Prof, I mean, in sales, like already $40, $50 profit. So I listed this buckle. <laughs> 
again, if you do the math, I paid 52 bucks, 11 divided into 52. Let's say, let's do some rough math, rough math, $4 some change. So I listed this buckle for $299.99. I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens here. Within two weeks, I got an offer of $234.99 for this buckle. Nice. And the crazy thing about this, it was a send offer. Oh, no, I didn't get it. I sent it. And I, I said, hey, I saw, you know, it shows up, right? On the send offer, I shared this. I said, hey, I'm sending you a lower offer at $234.99. If you're willing to pay within the next 30 minutes, I can ship it today. Boom. Cha-ching. Payment. Shipped out. Done. Had a strike when the, uh, when the iron's hot. So, yeah. So, it turned $4 into $234.99. Plus the profit I made on the other buckles. Plus I'm going to sell the other buckles. So when it's all said and done from that $52 buckle purchase, I think I'm going to make $500 net. Nice. I'm going to have to get in the buckle game. Yeah, I'm telling you, but it's a hustle. Like I don't mind sharing this now because at first, you know, you know me, I would tell you on the podcast, like, Mike, I don't know if I ever want to share this. It's kind of like cry cup machines. Remember we were big up or cricket machines. But to me, it's like, no, like, it, you're going to have to spend the hours to find the items, right? So, all right. So that was my hustle of the week. I like it. So I don't know. Now I'm kind of like, should we edit this? <laughs> so no, it's all good. All right. So hey, thank you everyone for your hustle of the week. All right. Let's get back to our reselling crisis lessons learned. Yeah. Let's pivot back uh, to our main topic and our, what we're talking about now is to be pivot ready. All right. So, so what, what do I mean segue. by this? <laughs> hey, you got to be ready to pivot during the crisis. Yeah. Right? When, when, I don't know, I forget what it was, but there's a news article that talked about like the different stages of pandemic. Like in stage one, like everybody was looking for like face masks and hand sanitizer and, and um, toilet paper. People, toilet paper, yeah. toilet paper. Now, actually there are some stores that are still empty with toilet paper. Really? Costco still, our Costco's here having a restocked in paper towels, Kirkland paper towels. Hmm. So I don't know if like bounty, like made a deal like behind the scenes and like, Hey, well, let us sell more bounty, you know, forget that they did. A Costco worker told me that the same company makes the same paper towels. Let me just say this is a little bit off topic, but, yeah. uh, um, and we live in a fifth wheel. So we have to use like specific RV toilet paper. Okay. Um, so that was kind of difficult because we got to find that. And it's like a different type of toilet paper. We can't Bolo. use regular toilet paper. Um, but, you know, for with the office where we're at, like normally I yeah, would get the Costco toilet paper. It's, you know, much cheaper. Uh, all they had at one point, we needed to get new, you know, toilet paper. We we're helping out my in-laws for their office. Uh, all they had was like the most expensive Charmin one, mm -hmm. you know, which is it's more expensive, but it's really like in the long run. It's like not that expensive. There is a definite difference. <laughs> like, bro, I was thinking the same thing when you were sharing that story. There's a huge difference in like Charmin toilet paper. So like, there's no joke. When the bears are talking about its quality, it is quality. Yeah, this uh, this this episode just went down the toilet, but uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. But but no, for real though. Like right now, I have, I have you know, and I'm like, can I go back? <laughs> like, can I go back? Because this is some like. Not even when in use, even when you're like putting it on the roll, you just, like, like you feel the, the quality. Feel yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things like you're paying an extra, you know, $3 a month when you buy a more expensive toilet paper. Like I always even think of that with like <laughs> We've gas. arrived. Yeah. Like I think about that with like gas. Like I, I used to remember like I would drive around or like my, my dad would drive around, you know, an extra 10 minutes to get like three cents cheaper per ga like gallon of gas. I'm like, okay, like if your car takes 10 gallons, you're saving 30 cents. I still do that. But yeah. You know what I mean? But like, honestly, like 
would I would I think twice about spending 30 cents on something? Like if it's like this is going to save me 10 minutes or just the convenience, like it's 30 cents. Now, if you're talking about all year long, I mean, maybe that adds up. But, but yeah, like when you're thinking like how many times a month or a year do you buy like a big old Costco size thing of toilet paper? So if you're spending an extra $20 a year, it's like when you when you divide it down, you know, an extra dollar fifty a month. Who cares? But Charmin, man. Seriously, <laughs> let us know in the comments below if you know what we're talking about. Yeah, if you, you know, you know. Have you gone to the Charmin Ultrasoft? It's a, it's a real deal. I don't know if I'm going back, man. Yeah, that's yeah. the real bolo. That's the real bolo. All right. Wow. How do we? How do? We, how do we pivot from that one? Yeah. Let's uh. Let's just let's just segue back. It in. felt good to be able to share that with someone though, because I've been thinking that for like the last week, and like I try to tell my son, I'm like, and he's like, whatever, Dad, you're yeah. weird. No. But I'm like, hey, this is 40 the years. Things you care about when you get older. I know. All right. So what you're saying? So what I made? So I went from mask and sanitizer to toilet paper. Then like I think the next stage was like puzzles and board games. And then the next stage was like people are looking to clean up, and so people are looking for you know uh, hair trimming and grooming materials. And then and even the food choices, right? Initially, people were looking for like rice, and they were looking for meat. And now people are looking for like more exquisite dining right and so understand it's the same thing with reselling during a crisis like you got to strike when it's hot so be ready to pivot yeah have the other things in the background that you're selling that are your bread and butter but be ready to source differently if needed right because you don't know what people are looking for and i would say right now like there was a point in time where everything was selling but things are changing, right? And so I pivoted to, I'm sourcing a lot more sandals. I've shared that as a bolo because sandals are selling right now because people cannot go to a retail store and buy them. Yeah, and, and really, I think just the easiest way to, to put this, and I, one of my biggest pet peeves, like when I was younger and I was maybe a young entrepreneur and I always wanted to have little hustles. And it's like, how do I start a business? What, what items do I sell online? Like all of those things, you always hear over and over and over, and it's probably one of the best pieces of advice. And it's also one of the most frustrating is find a problem that people have and find a solution for it. That's how you make money, right? Like you find solutions to people's problems. And it's like, yeah, but what are the problems, right? And, and it's so hard because you want somebody basically to give you the business idea, to give you the item to buy, to give you the specific bolo that you need in this moment. And a lot of times, like I talked about on the live, I think the idea of like a bell curve as far as like, are you an early adapter are you joining in with the, the giant rush or are you a late adapter, right? Most people join in with the giant rush. A handful of people are the early adapters into a new technology, a new um, platform, or just the front end of a bolo or, or the trend. And a lot of people come on in the late end. If you come on the late end, you're, you're definitely going to lose. You come on the big mass, you might make some money, but you want to be in the beginning. And so constantly be asking yourself that. Like how many times, like after Uber came out, how many people are like, yeah, obviously I used to think there was... A, a problem was taxis were a pain to get this. And so, but somebody came up with it and they actually turned it into an idea. So you got to think like, what is the thing you complain about? What's the thing you're like in the middle of a crisis? Like I need to buy this right now. Boom. Your bell should be going off. Is this already a thing? And you might find mm -hmm. out, Oh, everybody's already buying clippers. Like I was a little late figuring this out, but there's got to be something you always have to be thinking, what's the problem? What is, what's the thing I want to buy? What might I need to buy in like another week? Like if this keeps going on, if I can't go out of my house for another two weeks, what are the things I'm going to need to get? Bells should be going off, right? Like, Ooh, is it those potential bolos? Cause if you need it, other people have it. If it's a problem you have, chances are there are a lot of people who have the same problem. So it's frustrating advice because 
it takes work to think of what is what are the problems you're experiencing or other people are experiencing and that's what pivoting really is it's it's really the the forethought to say what are what are the changes that are going to come and to not get stuck when other people have come to the solution or when you've missed that bell curve when it's already the mass of people are coming in it's probably time to pivot Keep the inventory you have right now, sell off as much of it as you can, be looking for the next thing. Don't just stick right there because then you're going to be in the tail end of the late adopters when they're all joining in and other people have moved on to the next trend, right? That's the idea of pivoting is you've got to be willing to say, this is making me money right now, but there's going to be a new problem that hasn't been solved yet. I want to be the one that solves that problem. Yep. And if you find it on a massive scale and you're the only one, you will be very rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, the next thing. You got to pivot in your policies and your pricing and your shipping, right? And that's one of the biggest things from this pandemic. I think that helped a lot of eBay sellers is that they decided that, you know what, since Amazon is taking so long to ship things out, I'm going to go to same day shipping. And a lot of people made a ton of money because people started shifting to eBay. And even now, those buyers are still on eBay, right? Based on studies, we talked about this in our live episode, how... 40% of individuals that shopped on eBay are more likely to continue shopping on eBay for things. And so you got to be willing. I know there's a lot of people like, I don't like being bothered. I like doing three days. And and again, it all depends. If you're part-time and you don't need the income, I get it, right? But if you're trying to build up your part-time or you're trying to, you know, buy a house or you're trying to go full-time, like you got to be able to pivot, right? So the first thing is, you know, even in policies and return policies, like, you have to do what is going to separate you from the competition, right? And this may be unpopular, but if that means having a return policy, then do it. If it means 30-day returns, then do it. If it means free shipping, then do it. Like You have to be able to pivot in a crisis because if there's other people that have pivoted before you and you're not, you're going to be left behind and no one's going to be buying from you. Yeah. And it goes um, in, in both directions too, like even with prices, right? You, you can't, it's, it's easy when you've got a thousand items in a store, 500 items in a store, even a hundred items in a store, it's hard to remember everything and what prices you have things set at. But there's times, you know, where something happens and all of a sudden, like for instance, the bulls hat that I had that sold, right? I didn't pivot fast enough. I didn't realize when that documentary came out, I didn't know there was a documentary coming out. So Mike's talking about Chicago Bulls hat mm-hmm. that he sold and you sold it for a decent price. Yeah, though. I made like 40 or $50 on it, but I probably could have made another 20 or $30 on it if I would have recognized, boom, all of a sudden there's higher demand for this item or these types of items. And so you want to sometimes pivot your prices down and sometimes pivot your prices up, which means staying staying engaged with culture and what's going on. And you're going to miss things because you can't know every single... Oh, a certain type of Doc Martin was featured in a TV show and everybody wants to wear those. And you don't watch that TV show and you're a little late to catching that trend, but you want to catch the trends when you can. And so being willing to pivot prices up and down and not just having it, because that's where stores mess up, right? Like the reason why resellers can come in and buy things at stores is because stores have a fixed price a lot of times for an item, even if the demand outweighs the supply. Mm-hmm. which is why you end up running with shortages. So resellers come in and they fix that and they make sure that the price actually is equal to the demand, which is what you want in order for companies to actually create more of the supply, right? And so um, because a lot of stores, they can't pivot that much, right? It's like they got an item, it's on the shelf, this is how much it sells for. They can't, I mean, maybe they run a sale the next week because they've got too much of them, but you need to be willing to do that too. Like, Are you running sales in your store? Are you... Are you dropping prices when you need to and raising prices when you need to? So be willing to pivot. And and that means, you know, being active. So if you can't go out and source, maybe it's time that you do that. 
drop prices, raise prices, make sure that you're getting the right movement happening. Agreed. And so now to the last one. So this was, I feel like it was my biggest fail. Um, I think before we get, and I think at the moment I acted what I thought was in the best interest of my family. So I'll throw this out there. So a lot of people have their certain platforms that they love and they love selling a certain way on a platform, right? So we have a lot of people that do Poshmark that listen to our podcast and they're like they're Poshmark. They won't touch eBay, right? A lot of people that are Mercari people. There's a lot of people that are Amazon strictly and they won't touch eBay, right? And and so on. And so I'll give you an example. I am very big on eBay. And then when during the crisis, uh, before the crisis, I was a lot of Amazon, but I decided to take a break from Amazon because I just was unhappy about how they were treating me as a seller. And I felt that I was losing a lot of money with Amazon. And I was big on FBA. And then Amazon dropped the hammer and they said, no non-essentials will be sold on FBA. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to do any Amazon, right? And there was a lot of people that, for instance, like Poshmark, I know a lot, Poshmark, like a lot of people, like their sales just went to, to nil. Like Poshmark was just, I, I, you know, a lot of people struggled on Poshmark and they weren't willing to adapt and dip into eBay. And they could have sold the items that they had on Poshmark possibly on eBay because a lot of people during the crisis, instead of going, hey, where should I go? I should maybe go to Poshmark or Mercari. No, they didn't know what Poshmark or Mercari was, but they knew eBay and they specifically knew Amazon, right? And so my failure in all this was I gave up on Amazon for two months. And in this last month, I have come around and I've gone to Amazon Merchant Fulfilled, which is something I've always said I would never do. <laughs> like I, if you've listened to the podcast, like last Q4 and the Q4 before that, I've always been like, I don't have time for MF. I think it's a, you know, it's a lot of labor. It's not worth it, blah, 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 blah. And I, I said all this stuff. And I think some of that is true during Q4. But during this time, I, I believe I left thousands of dollars on the table. Thousands. I mean, like <laughs> tens of thousands possibly on the table because I just said, I'm going to just focus on eBay. Now, I made a ton of money on eBay. Don't get me wrong. eBay was good. And maybe I ended up in the same. I don't know. But I will tell you, my experience in the last three weeks of just doing Merchant Fulfilled on the tail end of the last hundred days, like it's 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 been phenomenal. Like I can't even I've never experienced a velocity of sales MF wise that I've ever experienced ever. Cause I did do merchant field back in the day, but the level it was at, man, if I could turn back the clock, but then again I say that and I the reason I didn't source for Amazon Merchant Fulfilled was because I didn't know. Like, remember the first few days, like even you and I were talking about doing the podcast in different rooms, right? Because we were like, we don't know. Like, actually we did have a discussion of maybe shutting down the podcast, maybe a very brief discussion, right? And if we did that, I wouldn't have been upset because we acted on the knowledge of what we knew at that time, right? And then over time, we're like, okay, I think we're good. I think we're fine, right? But now that I know, and we still don't know, <laughs> reality is we still don't know. But if I could replay, I maybe would have sourced a little bit more for Amazon Merchant Fulfilled because I left a lot of money out there. So any thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, those are all good points. And, you know, I, I think I've talked, you know, over and over and over about the importance of of being willing to adapt and change to different platforms and at least try out different platforms 
and not to put all of your eggs in one basket. And that doesn't mean that you need to be 50-50, right? You don't need to be mm-hmm. 50% eBay, 50% Poshmark. Maybe you're 90% eBay, 95% eBay, but at least dabble a little bit. Spend spend an hour a week, a few hours a month on another platform doing something else because you never know when you're going to need that as your safety net, right? And so being willing to change, and it even comes with sourcing, right? Are you sourcing on on Facebook Marketplace? Maybe you weren't doing that before, but you were willing to say, hey, my ability to source is going to have to change, so I need to use different platforms to source. So you know, being being willing to adapt and change is is what it's going to separate those who succeed and those who fail. Agreed. Bottom line. Agreed. And so think about it. In a time of crisis, you have to be ready to pivot and they may mean your platform. Yeah. You may have to go into an area that you've never tried. But the thing is, if you do this now, if you take all these steps, right, your capital ready, your inventory ready, your pivot ready, right? If this crisis continues, or it gets worse, or even if none of that happens, right? You still picked up some best practices that's going to help you level up your standard of living through reselling. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. And charm and soft. And charm and soft. What a way to end the episode.